0: Yes, indeed. It's about that time. Hi, I'm Michelle Spive and I want to welcome you to Wisdom Smack. Come on in and let's get started. Do you like to fantasize or get away from it all or just take a mental vacation? Do you find that sometimes You'll be in a situation and your mind will wander off on the possible what-ifs and the fanciful what-coulds and the delightful what-shoulds. Well, if you answer yes to any of those questions, you could be a storyteller in the making. Hi, this is Michelle Spiva, and I want to welcome you to Wisdom Smack. And today, I want to talk a little bit about the journey of being a storyteller for profit through the medium of words, a.k.a. A self-published author. <laughs> so part of my life is spent creating fanciful worlds, delightful what ifs, and wonderful shoulds that could happen in a world of my creation. And the wonderful thing about that is is that I get a chance to write those down, package them in a way that they provide enjoyment and suspended disbelief so that people can have entertainment. And in return, I receive compensation for that that I use to continue to have a lifestyle that affords me housing, transportation, and those types of things. And so I would be remiss if I didn't talk at least about a significant portion of what I do on a daily basis that constitutes my life. And that is the business of writing as a self-published author in the art form of storytelling. Now... I want to make a distinction right now, right here. I never grew up wanting to be a writer. I never fancied myself as a writer. I was more a speaker, a singer, a projected word, in time, speaking. That was my whole thing. And so for me to come full circle and make a living as a written storyteller is something. It really is. And so I just... (laughs) I'm I'm just floored. I I really am. Now, I do want to say I was always a voracious reader, but as for writing, nah, that wasn't me. I, I mean, I even had the little friends in high school and even in elementary school that would write plays, and I tried my hand at it a few times, and it just didn't hold my interest. And so, I'm saying all of this to say that a lot of times I am finding that the people who are really well suited to making a living as a storyteller through the form of writing are people who were not writers and never thought about being writers. Now, what's got my goat today is I recently saw some statistics about people in the, um, I can only speak about the United States, so that's where, you know, bear with me if you're listening from other countries. But these statistics really are uh, depressing. And uh, I, of course, drilled down to the ones that directly affect me as a woman born, you know, a woman who identifies as a woman and a woman of color, particularly a woman of uh, of American, African-American, black, whatever you want to call it, uh, ethnicity. And it said that after 40 Our chances of gaining gainful employment such that it is enough to keep us in the standard of living that we have become accustomed to prior to our 40s is basically null and void. I'm not going to give you the specifics because I know that number is conservative and it's abysmal. So this does not just have to deal deal with uh, black American women. This is uh, pervasive with most people in this, at least this continent of the United uh, uh, America's concentrated in the United States, that if you're over 40, oh my gosh, it is, woo! <laughs> it's getting harsh out there. And so I have uh, been looking at how is it that I was able to make this change even before I knew these statistics and be able to do pretty well with it. You know, so today, like I said, and I'm going to periodically put some of these up because I get a lot of people that ask me, you know, how do you do it? How do you, you know, or whatever. I, I, I regularly have conversations with people who ask me about my journey as an author and how can they make that journey. And uh, I have in times past and coming up soon, I have taken the time out to teach people how to make that transition. How to put out or or how to learn how to produce a good product that's professional so that you deserve to get paid. And you can expect to get paid when you put out your story. Um, I've also put out things on how to do the revenue side of it. And then how to do some of the business part of it as a solopreneur, because that's my niche. I am not a publisher with a company of massive size. It's, it's me, you know, and, and I scale out from there. So with that being said, I want to talk about um, how yeah, it, how you can be a storyteller and how you can start segueing into monetizing that ability through the medium of writing. Now I don't know how to do the stuff on stage uh, for pay. <laughs> I've never uh, done it for pay, unless it was contained within a speaking session that I was doing. So I can't cover that. You know, that's that's not my lane right now. But when it comes to storytelling through through written word, I'm your girl. And I found that, um, and I, I made it. Might have. Uh, taking you guys through this before but if not just humor me for a second when I was in uh, grad school again trying to make the transition from working in corporate America to generating monies in my own business I had gone back to update my certifications as a therapist and I was trying to work towards a PhD And the program that I was in was very frustrating, tiring, bureaucratic. And I I hate to say it, but I just don't have a lot of good things to say about my experience. I'm not saying that about the people. I'm saying it about my experience, which is my truth. So as I'm working and getting further and further in debt to try to get something that if I succeed, and I said that with a big if, If I succeed, then that means that I'm going to have to fight for scraps as possibly just maybe an adjunct professor. An adjunct professor would set me back to working on par with a person straight out of college with no experience. And here I am, a grown up with real bills. And when I say real bills, I'm talking about the mortgages, the car payments, the insurance, um, all of that, you know, utilities, all of that is on me as a singleton. And so it's like, what am I doing? And I'm still trying because I don't like to give up. You know, maybe it's uh my astrological sign of Capricorn. I don't know. I just don't like to give up on something Some once I started. But it took a lot <laughs> for me to finally get it. So much so that even though I didn't want to give up, I still left there with another degree. It wasn't the one I wanted, but I left there with a the degree. Um, so I guess I didn't quite give up and just drop the tile, But anyway, let me tell you what happened. So I'm in, I'm in school and it's getting tighter and tighter. And I'm like, I, I don't want to be homeless. I don't want to be on the street. I don't want to be thumb and rise to try to get to and from school and all of this. And the program was set up that it was really hard to try to work outside so much so that they explicitly told us you can't have a full-time job and try to go to school. The classes, first of all, that we were supposed to take were during the daytime and then at night we had other uh, um, responsibilities as graduate assistants to the professors in the program to help with their night classes online classes undergrads and all this kind of stuff so they were right it was you you couldn't have a job and I kept trying to make it work and I kept trying to be more um, frugal with with the with the monies I had I ran out of the savings that I still had uh, coming into this from my corporate life. I hated the fact that I ended up having to get more student loans, and it was it, it was just a, a bad thing. And I started having this heavy weight of depression, based on my knowledge of the responsibility that I was putting out in my future, and so I was doing that trying to have a life dating and all of this you know to one person but you know dating and I I just had a moment one night I didn't have a paper due which was unusual but I was like you know what I gotta write and I gotta you know I normally have to write every night anyway and so I just started pinning a little story and I pinned the story and I was laughing as, as I was writing and I started feeling very good understanding that this was a cathartic thing that I could do and to relieve some of the pressure, and I didn't finish the story that night. I actually took about a week to finish it because I, of course, had other stuff to do. But I finally came back and I finished that little story. And when I looked at it, I don't remember the exact word count, but the story ended up being like about, I'll say, about 3,600, under 4,000 words. So I cleaned it up as best I could, and I'm gonna tell you something. <laughs> If you have never written a story, if you've never written fiction, and the only writing you've ever written has been business writing or academic writing, I'm going to tell you, you don't know how to write. You just don't. <laughs> and so, because I, I'm an auditory learner, I, I learn faster by hearing it. I started reading it out aloud, and then I had my computer read it out aloud to me, you know, text-to-speech uh, to, text to and all of that. And I started hearing all of these ooh you know like I said I tried to clean it up and um, once I felt like it read the way I wanted it to as me telling a personal funny story then now don't judge me here y'all don't judge me (laughs) I, I dare go into Amazon and I set up a KDP account that's their platform for publishing your books And I'm putting everything in there. And I don't know why I thought that they were just going to have some kind of gallery where I could choose a book cover that looks decent. Oh, they had a gallery. But I'm going to tell you, it looked like some kind of space reject alien was punking us by putting up his designs or his impressions of what a book cover should look like. And I was like, there is no way in West you know where I am putting that as a cover on my book. So off I go. And I remember... At the time, like I said, I didn't have a lot of um, funds here. This is me trying to um, express myself and and throwing something, doing a spaghetti test to throw something up, because at the time everybody was trying to write um, recipe books, and I was like, I don't have any money to be wasting if you know if my recipe doesn't work, I can't do that. That's expensive, and I you know and trying to figure out how to get the pictures of and the processes and all this to to put up on Kindle. size so I you like, hey, look, I'm gonna put up a story and see see if it sticks. So, I had limited funds, but I knew I needed a cover. And I tried to do it with uh, Microsoft Paint. I met a person that knew how to do that, scraped up, got there, whatever. And it just never worked for me. I was like, I don't like this. This looks clunky. This is not me. So then, I found this free program called GIMP. Now, it's an acronym for Graphics Imaging uh, Software, but it's G-I-M-P and it was a, a, a alternative to, to that expensive Photoshop. So I get GIMP and I determined to teach myself. And at the time YouTube, they, they had some tutorials and I was like thankful. So I went through the tutorials as best I could and guess what, I managed to come up with a pretty, I think, a pretty passable cover. So I've got the GIMP working, I figure it out, I hit all of these snags. I, I'm not gonna tell you that it was easy every time I tried to put that cover into Amazon they were like it's the wrong size it's not right it's not the quality and so as I'm going through these try fail cycles I could have given up many times because I'm telling you to get that first story up it took me so it took me a week to write it it took me like two weeks to learn how to do the cover um, and on top of that I had to learn how to use Microsoft Word to format the story and you know, put the hyperlinks in for the title page and all of that so that it would be acceptable to Amazon's uh, software. So, all said, I think I pushed publish on that book maybe a month from when I started for a around 3600 word story. Uh, but it was that cover oh my god, that cover it did it to me, and it was almost to the point where I was like. Can I scrape up $100? Now, at this time, $100 might as well have been $10,000. $100 was a lot because I was working with no money and no aspects of where to get money um, because I was working so hard at uh, school. Um, and so I, I just had to press forward. Now, you know what? I just thought about something as I'm recounting what was going on so that you guys will understand what I was sacrificing to try to do this program knowing by now that even if I succeeded seven years in front of me of hell that I may only possibly get an adjunct position at a university okay at best or I'd have to you know now I really to be honest with you I really didn't want to teach exclusively I still wanted to do practice and all that kind of stuff or so I thought I didn't realize how burned out I was from the whole situation but you know like I said you have to sometimes go through this stuff so that you can figure out what really is happening with you so back to where I am and I'm looking at all of um, my aspects now like I said before the program was set up where it was really hard and I want you guys to remember uh, if you've been following along with me, I tell about how I started learning about business money, and how I learned about the how to you know set up business when I was a kid going to beauty school, and I had a license for cosmetology. I could have supplemented my income by getting a part-time job cutting hair. But because of how my work schedule was at school, where they monopolized my day and evenings, it was off the table. Now, I don't know about you, but it's very frustrating to have a skill, to have the proper certifications for the skill, but still not be be able to use the skill because of your circumstances. And that's why I looked around and I had to figure out another way to do what I could. And my thinking was, I'm doing all this writing for all these books. I mean, for all of these uh, papers that I have to turn in. Why not just write down stuff that's going on with me and, you know, embellish it, flourish it and make it a little fun. And that's how I started uh, delving into uh, writing these stories. So back to fighting through the, um, the the cover. At the time, I didn't realize that a cover needed to be a certain size, which was articulated as a pixel. In my world, stories or papers were done by pages, not words. Pictures were done by how they fit on a page, not pixels. Meaning a five by seven. Uh, 8 by 5 or whatever, not pixels. So my learning curve was so steep, but I am very thankful for how ignorant I was because if I had a gander of how much of a learning curve I was behind, I probably would have been overwhelmed and not taken it on. So I am so determined to do this, to just even see, because at this time, an extra $100 a month would have meant the world to me of Of figuring out with ease, oh, gas money, oh, um, extra, you know, little food money and that kind of thing to be able to make it. Uh, I remember buying meal replacement canisters when I would get paid uh, at the beginning of a semester so that when I ran out of the the fresh foods and the meats and stuff that I had bought, I could just use those meal replacements uh, (laughs) to make it through. Times were really tight. So lo and behold, I keep going and I managed to get everything pleasing to the eye of the great Amazon. I press the button and it tells me, okay, you're gonna go live in about 72 hours <laughs> My description on the on the story was totally whack my um, keywords that they wanted me to put in there i really didn't have an idea of what to say so i was putting all kind of manner of craziness in there such that the first story comes back they're like you can't publish this it didn't pass our standards i had to go and look and understand that there were certain keywords that you can't use in amazon like you can't use their trademark keywords you can't use other authors i mean just the list of just no-nos i was doing it because I was doing, you know, Aaron is better than Nairn, meaning take action, take action, because that's where I was. But I was still learning on the fly. So I went back through, I did some more research. I found this site called Sales Ranker and and, and looked at what it meant to be sandboxed and all this. And I changed it. And I ended up having to call Amazon. Amazon is like, look, you know, this is ridiculous. So I'm not embarrassed to say it. (laughs) My first story... Failed. I had to take it down, change the title a little bit, which means I had to go back GIMP, change the cover. With just I, I changed an article. Instead of the, I had a, you know, so that it would look different. And based on that new information I learned, I put it up and it got approved. And that book, along with uh, two others that I quickly wrote after that to make sure I, I had enough, because somewhere on somebody's blog... I understood that you couldn't just have one book up. You needed to have somewhere for them to go to the next book. And so I put up two more stories. And I think all of that took me about six weeks. The first one was a month. The other two, week after week, put them up. When I looked around, I had, I think I had, no, I know I had 13 of these stories. And they kept getting a little longer and a little longer. My longest one got to be 11,000 words and you couldn't tell me nothing. And these books were starting to sell now because I was learning on the fly. My little books were so sell- I-, I was pricing them at ninety-nine cents, and then when I got up to eleven, I dare, you know, do two ninety-nine. And I was shocked to see that it sold just like that the others. Now, if you're familiar with self-publishing at all on uh, Amazon at the time of this recording, and back when I was starting out, oh years ago. Uh, A 99 cent book articulates to 34 cents to you. And so (laughs) you do the math of how much you have to sell to make any money. But my first check, which came 60 days after the end of the month that that the books were put up. My first check was like $11 and something. And I was like, oh, I'm high on the hog. I'm going to take myself out for a celebration dinner. I know, stupid. But you know, that's what the grim reaper of poverty does to you when you've been uh, living so long under those strains you just want to celebrate for the change so first uh, check was like $11 next month the check uh, got up to I want to say 37 I was giddy about that one but the next check and by this time I had all the 13 stories going the next check that I got was 200 and something dollars And the one after that one, I remembered it was $323 and I was in tears because I'm still in school and I'm still seeing everybody miserable, struggling, and the semester is about to end. And everybody's just tired, but they know I have to keep going. I have to try to work uh, because the way I get money is through the school. So you're tethered in this unholy umbilical cord to the school which is a state school by the way so this is not you know this 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 it was crazy um so you're constantly trying to jockey for the limited positions that they have um for grad assistantships and all this other stuff and you're working around the year just so that you can have income coming in because nobody is knowingly going to hire you for a three-month summer stint and you got to give that job up when you go back to school in august so it was really crazy and um My uh, friends in the program with me, they were like, you're looking really healthy. What are you doing? I can tell you're eating. What are you doing? And so at first I didn't want to say anything because it was against the rules to have a job. But I rationalized it by saying, this isn't a job. This is a new opportunity (laughs) to generate income while I'm doing what I do because nobody could regulate my time at night and I knew for me if I spent a couple of hours hammering out a few more paragraphs on my funny story that was no harm no foul you know I, that was my personal time so I started to realize that I didn't have to be a writer i had to be good at telling my stories and that actually started giving me permission to teach other people what i was doing because for me in my mind i was like i haven't earned it i'm not a writer i never thought i was a writer and i'm not saying that Uh, coming from it as a storyteller is any different than a writer. I'm just saying that I have noticed over the years that because I'm a storyteller I'm not married to my story as much as I've seen a lot of writers. A lot of writers those stories are truly their babies and they don't want to give them up even if the market says this is not what I want to entertain me. They still are trying to find those people that will do that. For me as a storyteller my focus is to entertain you and if this is not doing it I'll change to do something else to entertain you and so my focus is the word choices and the way I do things is yes I have I thank goodness I have found my voice and it is entertaining but I'm always driven by the new next now of what's going to be entertaining to people that's delightfully different, entertaining, but reminiscent of what they expect in a good story. So yes, I, I have learned and continue to learn craft, continue to learn good story structure, um, continue to learn how to pace, how to uh, emote the, the uh, specific emotions that I need for whatever, whenever they're in a place in that story. And so there's a lot that goes into it. But first and foremost, I'm still that storyteller. And so if you're listening to this and you are thinking about becoming a self-published author. Now, I focus on fiction. Yes, I write nonfiction a lot of times when I'm working with clients to help them out or to get paid you know when I say help out I'm talking about paid don't don't get confused Uh, (laughs) but my brand I am a fiction story teller and so when I am approaching that I have like I said I found the, the best way to do this if you would be successful with people giving you money is treat it like you're a stand-up comedian now this is the funny thing about it that I didn't connect until I was actually doing it when I would write a story and I would look at it I would I wouldn't look at the words as oh this is so good this is a wonderful story I want no I would put it through the filter of if I was telling this story on stage or singing this story through a song Would the listener be entertained by it? Because this is about entertaining them. This is not about sticking to the story I want to tell. And uh, that opened my eyes to be able to change elements of story that might have been just for me. There's this book by uh, Stephen King on writing that is one of the quintessential books that uh, writers and storytellers through the medium of writing I encourage you to read if you haven't already. There are other ones like by Anne Lamont, you know, bird bird by bird and all of these others, but I'm going to talk about this one right now. And he says something uh, that has become tutelar in in how we look at things. And He says you write two two stories. You write the first time you sit down and write it is for you. The second time is for your audience. And that is so powerful because the first time you are trying to get the story out of your head or get it to form for you. And so the story the, the draft of the story is re- I mean is written for you. You'll find that there is a that that's where you get your plot holes and things because you already know the stuff in your head and it didn't ink out onto the page or the computer screen. So somebody reading it cold might not get the same enjoyment experience that you would have. So that when you go back the second time, that's what your revisions, your editing, your updates are for. To read it and to understand it cold. And that's another reason why people tell you when you do your first draft, take some time in between for that story to get cold to you so that you can see those glaring holes that may not make sense to another person. Okay, so Stephen King talks about those two versions of a story. One, the first one for you, the second one for your audience. And then um, I, like I said before, I always take the litmus test of, could this story pass muster in an oral tradition? And I've used the, the the example of a stand-up comic because of contemporary times. But there is a huge movement to return to the oracle traditions of storytelling. Um, you know, just open, you know, telling stories, you know, going to storytelling venues and events where people just get on stage and tell great stories and they are true storytellers. And that's a real thing. But it has to be entertaining and you you almost become an alchemist where you take a word and you take a listener's ear And you elevate those two things into a magical transcendent experience of delightful euphoria that takes them through a full range of emotions that entertains them, saddens them, gives them hope, inspires them. And if you're really good and you have a really good premise or moral of the story, they learn something too. And so that's one of the biggest things I wanted to say today about how to start knowing if you got the gift to be able to get paid for it, even if you never thought you were a story, I mean, an author. So let me give you a quick um, rundown of some of the things that if you're really serious about this, you can start doing. Um, if you're gonna do it through the written word and publish uh, as stories, look at whether or not you are a short storyteller, you are a parable person you are a novelist a lot of people immediately think I have to write a novel and then when I if they share with me they'll tell me the stuff that they are wanting to do and a lot of times it can be done in short story format and you can just do a collection of those there are other times where you might think that you're writing as a novel and you are really a uh, parable person you take little life's things, you add something to them, and then when it comes out, it's a f- uh, fictitious accounting of something that you've observed with a little lesson hidden within the story that will give people an aha, but they will have been entertained by a story. So that's parable. And you can still put that into a collection of short stories so I don't want you to think that immediately you got to sit down and do um, the things like everybody like like you think everybody else does you sometimes you you're really a humorist where you take these same types of parable stories and you infuse a witty uh, knowledge a wink where you are a master at subtext you know that's another form of, of writing where there is a parable, of learning going on underneath. Uh, for instance, um, the, it's rumored that the Wizard of Oz and the story of the Wizard of Oz was not about this fanciful um, hero's journey of this little girl, but it was used to uh, shade <laughs> the um, political structure of the day by giving it through a fanciful story. So there are many different things you can do. So In order to do that if you're deciding that that's the way you want to go I would first and foremost tell you start studying genre and learning that I see a lot of people who say they're gonna do something and they have no idea of the playing field they don't know the the type of uh, jargon or language that these people are used to they don't know who the leaders or their quote unquote competition or comrades are in this area they have no idea what the reader expects or wants to be impressed with when they have completed their work. And so you have to do a little bit of due diligence. That's one of the big things. So study the genre, paying attention to what are the reader's expectations of having interacted with your story and who are the um, main people uh, competitively, both now and who have had a legacy. If this if, if this genre is uh, old enough to have been around for a while, who has had legacy and go and and study them to see what was it about them that keeps people coming back to them over and over and gets them to this venerated spot of being um, so pervasive in this uh, genre. So after you've done your little research on what the customers expect and want, who are the competitors, the leaders, and who, you know, if there are Uh, legacies in here you know doing that the next thing you want to do is you want to start finding your voice for how you tell story now the, the, the good thing is is there are just really four things that you need to start focusing on to find your voice and that is how do you grab attention and I'm gonna tell you now grabbing attention is we call it the hook and it's at the beginning of the story but a lot of times you will find that your hook Rarely comes when you first sit down to write your story. Your hook is normally gonna come after you've gone through the long form of writing out the story, and then the hook starts to make itself aware to you. So you have your hook. The next thing you have is you have your promise. Uh the promise holds the story question and the story problem in it, and that's that's one of the things that I kind of intuitively knew because I was a voracious reader. That I couldn't articulate, but I knew I had to do it. And that is when you are starting your story, there you've gotta convey that, yes, reader, this is the genre that you thought it was by doing something to show them, not tell them, show them. I'll talk about that, you know, in another episode, to show them that this is going to be a story that fits into their expectations of this genre, and you're going to give them what the story problem is now the story problem is what is the protagonist or if if you dare do more than one what is the problem that needs to be explored and hopefully solved and I'm, i'm saying hopefully because i i'm trying to talk across genres but for many genres you better solve that problem (laughs) <laughs> you know, even if you're going to end it on a cliffhanger, you need to solve the problem that's in that beginning. Okay, so we're um, going back, we've got the hook. What grabs their attention? Then we have the story um, setup. So that's going to include your, your uh, question and your problem. And then we have the meat of the story. Okay and then we have the close. Now, in the meat of the story is where the story happens. It's where you see the try-fail cycles, you see the interactions between the characters, you have climax, you know, where all hell breaks loose. And then you have a resolve where uh, they get out of that predicament or they conquer that obstacle that was keeping them from achieving uh, the story's problem. And then you have uh, enjoyable, satisfying close. And so those are like the four things, like I said, hook, story setup, story, and then close. Practice those to start figuring out what your voice is. But don't try to be writerly if you're not. Write them in your voice. Don't worry about head hopping. Don't worry about proper dialogue, how much dialogue. Get the story out first. And you're going to find that you are Most likely, if you're new to this, you're going to be a comment, a commentator. You're going to commentate your story. And that's okay because it's better to have it out of your head where you can polish and fix it than to ruminate over it in your head, trying to make it perfect as it comes out of you. So once you get that story out, and now, like I said, if you're new, a lot of times it's going to be like you are observing and then telling the would be, um, cohort of yours, who's reading this story through you, you're going to be trying to tell them what's happening. Once you start seeing that kind of stuff where you're actually like a, a, a broadcaster on the sidelines, what you're going to do is you're going to then start closing that distance. So what I'm saying is I'm doing the same thing that Stephen King said, and that was the first time you tell a story is for you. You're, and that's a lot of the reasons why you'll get the telling because you're telling yourself what you're seeing. Then when you come back, you're going to tell the story or show the story to the reader. That's when you close that distance between your narration and what's going on, and that's when you go into what they would call deep point of view. Now, I'm not trying to throw too much at you, just suffice to say, you want to get as close inside the head of the character as you can. So No longer are you just observing that character, you're smack dab in their head, and now you have put the reader. In the same body with the main uh, character so they are observing the story as if it's happening to them now there's a lot of technique that goes into that and that's not what this is about today what I really wanted to do is I just wanted to give you um, an idea of how if you're looking at this and and I'm gonna say self-publishing has been good to me it continues to be good to me it is something that I don't have to worry about being automated away from me in that When you find your own voice, you really become unique and you can still write to market, sell to market with your unique voice that still satisfies the reader's expectation, what the genre has established and all of this stuff and people are willing to give you money. Um, But I want to encourage you that, hey, this is a new opportunity for you because you don't have to be a writer. You work on your craft of great storytelling, you use the medium of the written word, You learn how to polish the product, to put it up so it's appealing, and you get paid. And the good thing about these stories is they become assets. They become like wine. They may not make a lot on the front end, but when you give them seven, eight years like some of mine are, and they are continuing to produce and to sell, and you look at the tens of thousands of dollars these little stories have made over the years, you're going to be thankful that you took the opportunity to do this. So this has been a wisdom smack for you in the area of self-publishing. I'm going to be putting more of these out since I've been asked to do that. And I hope that they are helpful to you. If you have questions, comments, or any of that kind of stuff, please leave them for me. Um, if you are using this, um, if you're listening to this podcast, leave me a message. You can use a, a, a You can leave a message and I can review them and and answer them. And also consider sharing. So I know this one is a little longer because I wanted to take my time to explain to you why this is a viable option for a lot of people who are facing their 40s and the job market is not what it used to be. And you're looking for ways to start being able to generate income. You can do that by becoming that storyteller that you always were and turning it into the written form to become a self-published fiction author. So thank you so much, and I will talk with you tomorrow. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. This has been Michelle Spiva. Thank you so much for joining me. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and even comment on some of the Wisdom Smacks you have going on in your life. And Or even if there's something we talked about today that you especially enjoyed. And don't forget to pass it on and share. I'll talk to you later. See you on the next time with Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. Bye.